48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Functional constituency lawmakers elect make their first appearances at LegCo after winning in Sunday's elections. The government rejects criticism of the LegCo polls from the so-called Five Eyes group of five Western countries. And the Jockey Club plans to hand out thousands of smartphones so underprivileged elderly, elderly people can use the Leave Home Safe app. 27 functional constituency lawmakers-elect have made their first appearances at LegCo after winning LegCo elections on Sunday. Speaking to reporters, incumbent LegCo President Andrew Leung said functional constituency lawmakers should not only represent their sector's views, but should also fight for the interests of the general public. Mr. Leung, who's been re-elected as a functional constituency lawmaker, said he hoped to set aside political partisanship and work together to solve social problems. Three FC lawmakers, the architectural sector's Tony Che, the insurance sector's Chan Kinpur, and the legal sector's Ambrose Lam were not present. The only non-establishment candidate to win a seat in the new-look Legislative Council, Tik Chi Yearn, says he doesn't think he'll be ignored, adding he would continue to push for democratic development in Hong Kong. Mr. Tik, chairman of the third side, who took the social welfare seat, told an RTHK program that he will try and work with his 89 colleagues from the pro-establishment camp. He says the pro-democracy camp has always been a minority in the legislature, but can exert influence by voicing people's views and expressing their demands. The government has dismissed as fabricated and unfounded criticism of Sunday's elections from the so-called Five Eyes Group, which comprises the United States, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. It said the five countries were trying to smear the election. The U.S. Secretary of State and foreign ministers from Britain, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand expressed concern over what they called the erosion of democratic elements in the SAR. In a statement, the government said the electoral changes ensured that patriots would administer Hong Kong. It said the lawmakers were broadly representative and the polls ensured balanced participation. The vice president of Beijing's top think tank on Hong Kong says he believes Beijing will see Sunday's LegCo polls as a success, despite the low voter turnout. Lao Siu Kai from the Chinese Association of Hong Kong and Macau Studies says... All of Beijing's main goals, including ensuring patriots run Hong Kong, have been achieved. And I wasn't very optimistic about voter turnout to begin with. Mr. Lau says Beijing hopes people may change their mind about the electoral reforms, if the new LegCo can produce good results. He also said the new lawmakers won't make the government's job easier. With more people in the legislature, the government has to spend more time on trying to persuade people to support government policies. A lot of members have no party affiliation. The government has to forge maybe ad hoc coalitions or majorities among the legislators in order to pass bills. But at the same time, these new legislators with their professional background might have more expertise in policies than many of the old legislators. That means the government might have to deal with more experts in professional fields or in policy areas. Mr. Lau also said Beijing issued a white paper defending the SAR's democratic process straight after Sunday's LegCo poll, so it could cite the election's success to show why the new electoral system was appropriate for Hong Kong. Speaking on Backchat, Mr. Lau said Beijing made the move in response to criticism from Western countries. Beijing feels very competent in, in its own system and very competent in Hong Kong system, so that uh, Beijing takes a very robust stance against the accusations from the West. 
since the election has been successfully conducted, and Beijing can cite this successful election as an example of the appropriateness of the uh, new electoral system for Hong Kong. The path of democracy's convener, Ronnie Tong, has criticized those who didn't turn out to vote in Sunday's polls, saying they should consider that they bear some responsibility for creating a LegCo that he described as one way. Mr. Tong's group fielded two candidates, but both failed to secure seats in the new LegCo. Mr. Tong acknowledged that people stayed away from the polls because they're unhappy with the revamped system, but said his camp would have won at least 10 seats in the legislature if they had taken part. Look at the result today, uh, the reason why we don't have any legislature with different viewpoints getting intellectual is because people have not voted them into office. Uh, and, and therefore, if you want a LegCo with diversity in views, then you've got to come out and support those who advocate different viewpoints from the pro-establishment candidates. So I think people should not just blame the system. People should also sit back and consider that they perhaps also bear some responsibility in creating a LegCo, which is all one way. The Jockey Club says it will hand out 20,000 free mobile phones to underprivileged elderly people so they can use the government's Leave Home Safe app. It says it's donated $27 million and is working with 12 NGOs as well as mobile network service providers on the initiative. It says each of the free phones will come with a 12-month basic mobile service and user training. Qualified applicants will have to be referred by the community elderly centers operated by the NGOs. The mainland has reported 57 new locally transmitted COVID-19 cases, six of them in Guangdong. The National Health Commission said 43 of the infections were in Shanxi and eight in Zhejiang. It It also confirmed 24 new imported coronavirus cases in nine provinces. The Health Commission said there were no new deaths from COVID yesterday. Overseas now, and health officials say Omicron has become the dominant coronavirus variant in the United States, accounting for nearly three-quarters of the new infections last week. In some parts of the country, including New York and the Pacific Northwest, it's even more widespread, making up more than 90% of the latest cases. The White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters that President Biden will speak about the situation later today. For those who choose to remain unvaccinated, he'll issue a stark warning and make clear unvaccinated individuals will continue to drive hospitalizations and deaths. That is not trying to scare people, or maybe it is trying to make clear to people in the country what the risks are here of not being vaccinated. European countries are continuing to impose more restrictions to try to slow Omicron's spread. In Ireland, an 8 p.m. curfew has come into force for bars and restaurants. The BBC's Katia Elder, Al Adler, has more. Europe has a seemingly ever-changing patchwork of COVID restrictions right now, throwing travel, holiday and business plans up in the air and leaving much of the hospitality industry despairing, bracing themselves for the economic year ahead. One thing that unites the continent is fear of the Omicron variant, but even inside the EU there's little coordination over how to stop its spread. Brussels has little power when it comes to health matters. Vaccine rollouts, lockdown plans, it's each member state for themselves. Austria emerged yesterday from a relatively brief national lockdown, for example. The Netherlands has just begun one and Germany says it may be hard to avoid one. New Zealand has delayed plans to begin reopening its borders because of concerns about Omicron quarantine, uh, Omicron variant. The quarantine-free travel for citizens returning from Australia will now be pushed back to the end of February. 
They said the changes were a precaution while scientists learn more about the new variant. The phased reopening would eventually have allowed vaccinated tourists back into the country at the end of April, provided they isolated for seven days upon arrival. Japan has executed three prisoners by hanging. It's the first time the country has carried out the death sentence since 2019. The secretive manner in which executions are conducted in Japan has long been criticized by rights groups. Inmates tend to be informed just a few, a few hours beforehand, and their families only notified after their deaths. A jury in the United States has begun deliberations in the sex trafficking trial of the British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell. She denies grooming girls for abuse by the pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, who killed himself in jail two years ago. Prosecution lawyers used their closing arguments to describe Ms. Maxwell as a sophisticated predator who was given $30 million for helping her former boyfriend. But her defense team insisted that the allegations were false and that she was being made a scapegoat because Epstein was no longer alive. Researchers in Britain have found the largest ever fossil of a giant millipede. Analysis of the discovery suggests the creature was as long as a car. The BBC's Jonah Fisher reports. The fossil was discovered when a boulder fell and cracked open at Howick Bay in Northumberland. It revealed a 75-centimetre-long section of what's now been identified as an arthropleura, a giant millipede that lived more than 300 million years ago. Researchers at Cambridge University say that the whole creature would have been about 2.7 metres long and could have weighed 50 kilos. Back then, the weather in the north of England was warm and tropical, and given this arthropleura's size, it's possible that it ate small invertebrates and even amphibians. The Chilean currency and the Santiago Stock Exchange have fallen sharply following the victory of the left-wing candidate Gabriel Boric in Sunday's presidential elections. The peso lost more than 3% of its value against the U.S. dollar and the stock market dipped 10%, with mining stocks particularly hit hard. Mr. Boric has promised tougher controls on mining to protect the environment. He said he'd name his cabinet as soon as possible to provide certainty to the markets. The democratic decisions made by the people of Chile should not be subject to pressures that aren't along democratic lines. However, the signals are also important, of course. One of the things we discussed with the former President Piñera is precisely the work done by risk rating agencies and how Chile held its rating despite all the difficulties we've experienced. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 22,878, 125 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $54 billion. There was a new Hong Kong record on day five of the FINA World Swimming Championships in Abu Dhabi. The women's 4 by 200 meters freestyle relay team qualified for the final in a record time of 7 minutes and 55 seconds, 0.48. Katie Tang, Si Hang Yu, Chloe Chang, and Stephanie Ao teamed up to beat the previous Hong Kong best. Set three years ago by more than five seconds. They went on to finish eighth in the event. Canada won gold with the United States taking silver, while China came third. English Premier League football clubs have agreed to play games scheduled over the festive period despite the ongoing disruption caused by COVID-19 cases. Only four of this week's ten fixtures were played. After teams told the league that they were missing players due to COVID, clubs have now been advised that they should fulfill their matches if they have 13 fit players plus a goalkeeper. More details from the BBC's Simon Stone. 
I think the Premier League think they are in a, a bit of a tricky situation. Um, they're already in a in a position where some clubs are three matches behind. And I think they felt uh, as a collective that this would have been counterproductive to to create even more of a fixture backlog when it's not immediately obvious how you you play the games or where the, where the space in the fixture list uh, is going to be found to play the games that have already been postponed. The Women's Champions League holders Barcelona have been drawn to play Real Madrid in the quarterfinals in March. Arsenal and Wolfsburg are also are in the same side of, of the draw. On the other side, Bayern Munich are up against Paris Saint-Germain, with the winners moving on to face Lyon or Juventus. The BBC's Joe Curry says the all-Spanish matchup could be a fascinating tie. This is arguably the tie of the round, an all-Spanish affair. Barcelona, last year's champions, widely regarded as not just the best team in Europe at the moment, but also quite possibly the best team in the world. They're playing a style of football we haven't seen in women's football for a long time, if ever before. It's, it's fast, it's free-flowing, it's attacking. It's a beautiful thing to watch. They've got an incredible squad, including the likes of the, the recent Ballon d'Or winner, Alexia Puteas. And to give you an idea of the form they've been in, they came up against Arsenal in the, uh, the group stage, beat them 4-0 and 4-1 compared to Real Madrid, who are relatively new to European football. To be fair, they even knocked out the likes of Manchester City in the qualifying stages. But you'd be a brave person, I think, to, to bet against Barcelona, not just getting through to the semis, but probably the final. And they, it wouldn't be a large surprise if they lifted the trophy again. A summit of world's foot, world football's, football's governing body, FIFA, has been considering plans to double the frequency of World Cup competitions. The change faces fierce opposition from Europe and South America, but is supported by the body representing Africa. Delegates were told biennial World Cups would generate more than four billion U.S. dollars in additional revenue over a four-year cycle. Gianni Infantino is FIFA's president. The World Cup every two years is just one of these elements which we are discussing when we discuss about the future of football and what impact we want for the future of football. We are looking at the entire calendar. We are looking at how we can make football better. And we are looking also at how many we can bring on board with a new way of organizing football in the future to capture the young generation. And looking at the weather, it will be cloudy and cool with a few rain patches at first. Fresh north to northeasterly winds, strong offshore and on high ground at first. There will be swells. The outlook calls for cloudy periods tomorrow with temperatures rising. There will be one or two rain patches in the next few days and winds will strengthen from the north on Christmas Day, bringing appreciably colder weather next week with the temperature falling below 12 degrees. Currently, the temperature is standing at 17% with a relative humidity of 89%. And all typhoon signals are have been lowered. That's the news from RTHK. Phantom 
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. How are you doing? Many thanks once again to James Ross for the morning brew, and thank you to the newsroom team for the news. We've got a busy program for you this afternoon. 
in about 10 minutes or so, we'll be hearing former Vietnamese refugee Caroline